to an old man. <laughs> oh my. And in uh, another 10 years, I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. So welcome everybody. To begin uh, my pro, what's that? Have a drink of water and catch your breath. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to begin by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who said every night in Hindi, Sabko Barisan Mane Kesat Premse Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. <clears throat> when, um, when I was running the Ann Arbor Ashram, the big event was Baba was going to come. He sent me uh, to start the ashram in July of 1974. <laughs> and um, he was going to come out in uh, September. And we built, you know, we worked hard preparing him and letting everyone know in Ann Arbor and so on. And, <clears throat> and so uh, then the big day arrived and Baba was uh, being picked up at the airport and uh, he was driving to the ashram and I was going to uh, greet him at the door and open his car door and Amma told me, say, Baba Swagat, which means welcome, Baba. 
So I tried to memorize that word, Swagat, Nankum Baba. So I opened up and I said, Baba Swagat, great feeling. So that's the meaning of welcome, to welcome another person with great love. And so in that respect, in that, in that, uh, in that what's the word? In that spirit, that's the word. I welcome you all. <coughs> and um, my series of, in these programs is to uh, acknowledge and draw on the great beings. Uh, I guess uh, after 30 years of satsangs or 50 years of satsang, whatever the case may be, <coughs> you might say that my thing is the great beings. Some yogis talk about different methods of techniques of, uh, uh, of meditation, and um, others talk about uh, arcane philosophy, and others talk about uh, devotional yoga and so on. I like to celebrate the great beings. It's a combination of all of those. Uh, and I always say that uh, the most hidden and unacknowledged and yet essential uh, resource of humankind are the great beings, the ones, the realizers, the ones who attain the self, who attain self-realization. And these are the great souls. And uh, the Bhagavad Gita says whenever dharma is low, whenever, um, uh, <clears throat> whenever things are uh, rotten as they are now, uh, Krishna incarnates, great beings come. And my feeling is that there are always at any particular time many such great beings who preserve the traditions and communicate the shakti, the spiritual energy. Uh, and so we celebrate them. Tonight, however, is a great experiment. <laughs> um, I'm uh, drawing on the teachings of um, a great being, um, and one that I've had a long association with. So let's see the picture here. <clears throat> the guy on the right, you know I've had a long association with. But the young fellow looking sad is uh, Franklin Jones, also known as Adi Da, also known as Da Avabasa, also known as Da Lavananda, also known, known as the Ruchira Avatar, and other things. Uh, or as Baba called him, Bubba Maharaj. <laughs> Another picture? This is, uh, this is his final visit to Ganeshpur in 73 when I was there. And he's uh, talking to Baba. He gave Baba a, a list of demands and uh, Professor Jane, the translator, is reading them to Baba. Um, <laughs> so I was, uh, in my, my methods of discipleship never included giving my guru demands. More likely the demands came from the guru, but this was his method. And he's a bit of a controversial figure. Uh, we'll call him Dava <clears throat> And um, uh, what do I want to say about him? I've never done a program. I've done study groups, but I've never done a satsang. Um, so this is a first. Um, 
<clears throat> I have a, a long affinity with him. Uh, for one thing, we're both from New York. For another thing is we were, uh, we both went to Columbia University. He was a few years ahead of me. We were both in the English department. <laughs> and um, uh, I, I could tell you many stories about him. Uh, and I've written about it in, in my book, uh, Ganesh Days. I've written a chapter about my associates with him. And Bob always uh, uh, somehow paired us together. He, uh, Bob and I had very long discussions about him, which morphed into discussions about the guru-disciple relationship. Uh, <clears throat> and then Baba once dictated a memorable letter, uh, which I signed. It had Baba's inimical stamp on it, uh, but I signed it and sent it to him and got action. Um, many things like that. <clears throat> but one thing about him uh, is he had a razor-sharp intellect. He's a profoundly spiritual man, and he had tremendous insight into the past. I wasn't too happy with, with his uh, uh, discipleship in some ways. Uh, but in, in recent years, I became very friendly with a couple of his very advanced practitioners. Um, Remembrance used to come here very often, moved to Queensland, and her husband, Nick, they're dear friends of mine. Uh, and they obviously have gotten a lot. They've grown tremendously through their association with him. So I think of him as a member of our lineage. He's a member of our lineage. Um, I could never accept some of the things he said, which was <coughs> that he was the greatest realizer that ever lived, greater than Bhagwan Nityananda, Ramana Maharshi, and so on. <coughs> and uh, well, Baba once wrote an endorsement of me uh, when I started the Siddhapath magazine, and one of the things he said in it was he won't put himself above his guru about me. And I know that he's referring to Adida. <laughs> he was always playing us off against that. Um, I think it's very stupid to put yourself above your guru, but all right. <clears throat> so I'm going to read some sections from Adida. And um, they're, uh, they're Adida and Shankar because I've, I've smoothed out certain things, uh, which I'm not going to uh, highlight and tell you about. But he, 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 uh, I always found him fascinating reading and even uh, got many insights from it. So you be the judge, we'll, we'll go now. <coughs> he's he's um, Adida passed on in, I think, 2008. <coughs> so... This one is called the, the Mother Force and the Father Force. He says, and this is kind of psychological, but it's, it's very interesting. <clears throat> one psychological disposition towards the mother and the father in the first stages of life, in early life, tends to be reflected in one's response to the spiritual process. <clears throat> Although most people who are practicing sadhana are adults uh, and no longer living with their parents, uh, something about the psychology of the child-parent male 
female dynamic is still in place in their character, in emotional, sexual, and other intimate relationships, and every aspect of life, including, therefore, how they relate to the spiritual process. <clears throat> the father force, or male influence, is the controlling force, and the mother force, or female influence, is the nurturing force. So he set up this polarity. It doesn't necessarily mean that your father will be the, the uh, controlling and uh, uh, force, the disciplinary force, and your mother will be the nurturing. It could be reversed. It doesn't have to go with the sexual orientation. But in general, it's Shiva Shakti, is what he's talking about. <clears throat> Two aspects. The father force is associated with divine consciousness and with the conscious process and concentration. The mother force is associated with the divine shakti and the yoga confusion of the body-mind by divine love bliss. In short, the father force is associated with yogic discipline and wisdom, and the mother force is associated with devotion and the experience of the shakti. So there's two aspects of all of our sadhana. The discipline uh, and uh, wisdom side and then the love side, devotional side. <clears throat> he says, in real sadhana, both of these dimensions of practice are fully, rightly, cooperatively, and effectively embraced and managed. After childhood and adolescence, the mother and father should not have to act in a parent-like fashion anymore. You grow up, they... <clears throat> but even so, these two forces, mother and father, continue as the dynamic of the human situation that exists throughout your life, moving from mommy and daddy to the great forces of existence. You must grow through your participation in that dynamic. So mother and father will appear in your life not necessarily in the body, in, embodied by your parents, but what are the two forces? The, the devotional, loving side and the discipline, aspirational side, you could say. <clears throat> he goes on, the guru embodies both the fatherly side in his demand for yoga and growth and the motherly side in his love and protection. So some people think of the guru as this loving mother, and others, the guru is frying me. The guru is making me grow, whether I want to or not. It's forcing me to keep moving on the, on the path. He says, you must respond to both of these aspects of the guru. <clears throat> to respond to both is to participate in the dynamic of the one reality. A seeker must respond not only to the guru's love, but to his demand for self-transcendence. So it's not enough to be absorbed in the guru's love. You also have to commit to growing, transformation. <clears throat> and it's not enough to be a yogi. You must also open to the devotion, to the love part. You like this? Mm -hmm. Is this interesting? David Ma, you like it so far? Okay, if David Ma likes it, because um, part of the story is that, um, I don't know if I can tell this quickly, but um, 
there was this whole leela that happened, and, and Baba dictated this intense letter. Oh, I, I, he, he gave Baba those demands in India. And um, Baba had gotten me involved, and he said, you're a strong man, he said to me. You talk to him. That's what he said. And he said, tell him it's no big deal that he's self-realized. You're self-realized, and Chandra's self-realized, and a lot of people here are self-realized. What's the big deal? You tell him that. <laughs> so, so I, was, I tried to see him, but he wouldn't see me. I got friendly with the guy, his attendant, and we talked a lot, but whose name was Jerry Scheinfeld. <laughs> really. And, um, but but Adida himself uh, wouldn't see me. And then he went in and he had that meeting with Baba where he listed demands, basically saying, um, as Bhagwan Nityananda did for Muktananda, will Muktananda do for me and acknowledge me as a Siddha Guru? And Baba basically said, you're a good boy, but you're not quite there. And so then Adida uh, got very upset and he left in a huff. Um, why am I saying this? Oh, oh so, so then, so then I, so, yes, yes, that's it, that's right, that's right. So then, so then he published the transcripts of it and he had an interpretation of this interaction with Baba, which was completely wrong. Um, and he wrote it all in a certain way and I got really pissed off and I wrote him a letter, you know, a very reasoned letter telling what was wrong with his argument there. And then I went to see Baba in, in Miami and I told him, uh, I visited Baba in his room and I told him I'd written him and, uh, and, you know, this reasoned letter, but I didn't get any response. Baba said, you, you write him another letter. He says, tell him his magazine's only worthwhile pick up the, the children's shit in the yard. <laughs> and Muktananda's coming to California, you better watch out. <laughs> and what's that got to do with me? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting to it. So so um, so I went back to Ann Arbor. Stop now. What? Okay, I won't go on. Anyway, I wrote I wrote the letter and immediately that got that got action. You know, you could feel Baba's uh, intensity there, and they sent out a couple of his top devotees with a, uh, a video of Da trying to calm me calm me down to appreciate me. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's enough. Uh, <clears throat> okay, some of you had stronger parents than others. You felt nurtured by the mother and not merely aggressively challenged by the father, but drawn out by the father into creative participation in life. Some people have had better experience than others in the universe of meanings in childhood. And now you're all thinking about your own childhoods. <clears throat> And they tend to be more effective adults, those who have had good experiences in childhood. Not enlightened, but more effective and happy in the ordinary sense. The mother force is nurturing, supportive, and it connects you to everything, makes you feel loved, makes you feel familiar, 
and makes a loving, radiant response in you and evokes a radiant response. The mother means nurturing. She is a supportive force. At any rate, such is the role that the mother is expected to perform, uh, even by the infant and the child, even by the puppy. <clears throat> the father is different, a different force. The father means challenge, something quite the opposite of the mother. You know, I saw this both in Baba. Baba was like my loving mother. And then on the other hand, Baba was this ferocious yogi forcing me on and making me feel that I never was doing enough. And I was a worm and I had to do more. And when will he ever really quit? And then, then he would be this mother taking me and saying, you don't have to do a thing. I love you. You're perfect as you are. And then he would become this fierce beast forcing me forward. It was just unbelievable. <clears throat> says, the mother is primary. One who is not nurtured inevitably feels too much challenged. So if you haven't had the nurturance, then life is a huge challenge. Such a person's unhappiness uh, is primary evidence of the lack of sustenance, the disconnection from the divine source. You feel lack of support and sustenance and also too great a challenge. It's interesting. So if you haven't been properly nurtured as a child, life seems overwhelmingly difficult. You're always being overwhelmed. <clears throat> Both circumstances produce the tendency to depression and to feeling overwhelmed. Uh, let me skip one. I'm skipping some of this. Examine the tradition of the American Indians. What is the basis of the culture whereby they train one another? It is a culture of testing. You famously go out in the wilderness and are tested there, you know. It is also a culture of compassion and love, but it's not a culture that affirms the principle of weakness. It demands that people grow. It equips people to grow, to be strong, to endure the limitations of existence, and to transcend those limitations. Such a traditional culture stands in profound contrast to much of the traditional upbringing of the rest of humanity, who tend to resent demands and want to live like children, and just being given the things of life that are satisfying. What has tended to disappear from the world is the attitude of manliness, male or female. Uh, the willingness and the capability to live life as an ordeal that requires you to understand and transcend yourself. That's a, an adidas word, ordeal. Life is an ordeal. Uh, and it's a good word. To, to, not to just seek the easy path and comfort, but to accept that it's challenging. Have you noticed that life is challenging? It's bloody challenging. It's fucking challenging. It's overwhelmingly challenging. Every day there's another challenge, another person that challenges you to not to react in a horrible manner to it, another circumstance that makes you accept or live with or something. So challenging. And you have to accept that this is the way it is and not just completely fall apart. You have to, in a mature and adult way, deal with it, a yogic way, like a yogi. What does uh, Arjuna say? Krishna said to Arjuna, 
Oh, Arjuna, be a yogi and fight. Didn't say be a yogi and lie in your cave. He said be a yogi and fight. Take on the ordeal of life. <clears throat> that requirement is basic to the yoga that the guru offers. So that's one section. How's that? <clears throat> okay, now I've got two. I'm, I'm, going, I'm not going to do both. I, I'll do one. One is called giving and receiving, and the other is called talk less. Transmission. What? Transmission. Giving and receiving? Okay. I was going to do talk less. <clears throat> because there's something in the, what... This is uh, good. This is good, too. It's very good, yeah. It's not transmission, it's giving and receiving. But it's good. Whatever it is. Okay. <laughs> so. <clears throat> he says, to be happy, you must receive life energy from others. But to continue to be happy, you must also give life energy to others. Interesting. <clears throat> Thus, if you receive and also grant life energy, then infinite delight and love and beauty can be enjoyed in your person. So we're like a system where energy flows smoothly in and out. An ecosystem. An ecosystem. And yet, because of our neurosis, our fears, and our greediness, our stinginess, our paranoia, we stop that flow in different ways. We stop the flow outward, we stop the flow inward. And we, because of that, our energy gets mucked up. That's what he's talking about. Thus, if you receive, and I said that, this will occur, however, only when you receive and transmit at the same time. Only then. As a devotee of the guru, Live in feeling contemplation of the guru. Now, this is his main technique. He, I, he called it uh, Ishtaguru Yoga, I think, something like that. But basically, in our terms, it's Guru Bhav. Uh, the main practice that Baba talks about in Play of Consciousness is Guru Bhav. Uh, remember what happens there? He uh, a devotee is reading a book and comes to him uh, when he's with Bhagavan Nityananda and he says, I don't understand this book. Um, can you explain it to me? And, and Baba says, let's go give it to Bhagavan Nityananda. So they go to Bhagavan. Bhagavan looks at it and he says, you take it. He gives it to Muktananda. So Muktananda starts to read it and it's all about Guru Bhav, which means identification with the Guru. And the idea being you meditate on the Guru's form you install the guru in every part of your body. You connect with the guru in that way so that, not so that you become a member of a cult or something like that, so that the power, the transmission of the guru radiates every part of your being. And that you, not, not the personhood, but the divinity of the guru comes through. And this was Baba's transmission. This was Baba's practice. He used to sit and install Bhagavan Nityananda in his being, and um, uh, it doesn't mean that he 
he uh, talked like Bhagwan or walked like him, although he probably did a little bit, because we used to follow Baba around and walk like him, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, but it's to draw that that divine power. See, the, the guru is an enigma because he's a person wrapped in divinity. So it's a divine, uh, and, and the, the person of the guru makes, is a problem. It's a problem for everyone. Um, there's always going to create a problem, that, and, but that's the, the method of the sadhana, that if you weren't a person, then you could just invent your own trip. Your mind would be in charge. But the personhood of the guru plays against your personhood and, and uh, purifies it. <clears throat> this is the great law. That is it. It is the law. Receive absolutely. Wait, did I finish this? Oh, feeling. I, I didn't read this. Submit yourself to divine communion in feeling contemplation of the Guru and submit yourself to receive and to live with all others in the disposition of given. So as I read that, it means receive from the Guru, however you conceive that, and then give to everyone else. Hmm? Beautiful, isn't it? To be, be the Guru, give, give what you received. Pass that on. So, and to, to open to the Guru is to open to God, and where there's resistance to that, it's resistance to God. So open completely, and then give your love to everyone. And where there's resistance to that is resistance to that. And so that's the perfect flow, uh, the perfect sadhana he's talking about. He says, this is the great law, this is it. That is the law. Receive absolutely and transmit absolutely. Are you better at receiving or transmitting? Huh? Transmitting. <laughs> <laughs> you are? Yeah? You are? She is. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> Thank you. I'll take that. <laughs> Do this and you'll be happy. If there's a blank in your transmission, overcome it. If there's a blank in your reception, overcome it. So open to the divine and then give your love. There's so many occasions in life that you stop your love from flowing out. I, that I hate that person. He did this to me. He did that. I don't give my love. Grudges. What? Grudges. Grudges, yeah, and all that. And then an opening to it, the paranoid, you're paranoid, you won't open to the guru, you know. So the law is to receive absolutely and transmit absolutely. That is love, that is it. If there's no reception, there is no love. If there's no transmission, there is lo no love. Submit yourself absolutely. How's that? He's really... Uh, kicks ass, doesn't he? Pretty good. 
<clears throat> of course, I've refined it because when he talks about the guru, he says, me. <laughs> so, so I changed it a little bit. <clears throat> Submit yourself. Receive the grace, the beauty, the love bliss of me. <laughs> no, I can't. <clears throat> In reality of the divine, and submit yourself to that. If you do, if you're in the position of receiving the Guru's grace, his love bliss and happiness, then what else will you do but love and give that to everyone in such a way that each can receive your transmission? And it's true that when you when you really get a strong hit of the Shakti and you're in bliss, you just give that out very naturally. Very naturally you transmit that love. What else is there to do in this humble place between birth and death? That's a great line. That's a poetic line. This torture chamber called life, this humble place between birth and death, what's there worth doing? Make a little money, build a house, all these little things you can do. No, the real thing is to receive and give love. Receive grace and give grace. Then that's something significant. He says, as the guru's devotee, receive his spiritual heart transmission. Absolutely. And love your neighbor just as if that one were you. The same one, the same love bliss, needing to be a terminal of such reception. So see God in each other. What did Baba say? See God in each other. I welcome you all with great love and respect. See God in each other. <clears throat> live, live in the Guru. Submit yourself to the Guru. Submit yourself to receive the Guru's divine blessing. He said, Live in me, submit yourself to me, and receive my divine blessing. Is that a little different? <laughs> and live with all others in the disposition of giving. So give that love to everyone. You must fulfill the sadhana of giving with a full heart, with no doubt of love and with no expectation. Grant the gift of the Divine Beloved. Love every being as the Divine Being. This is the sadhana. Do not expect congratulations. <clears throat> Look at the face of your friend, your lover, your beloved. Rejoice in that. Poetic. Expect no personal word. Look for the joy of friends. There is no other compensation in this place, this dry place between birth and death. How's that? Pretty good, huh? I think I'll leave it there. <clears throat> so let's meditate. Become, you see, he's saying, uh, just as in the, in the Course in Miracles, it says everyone must become the Christ. Everyone must become the Christ. So everyone must become the Guru. Everyone must be a receiving and transmitting station. 
And uh, we must learn how to receive absolutely, openly, without fear. And we must learn how to give our love, too, without fear or resentment, and so on. And if we can do that, in the Course in Miracles, they say you become, uh, that's a miracle. You're living a miracle. You're, you're being the savior. You're saving the world if you do that. And if you can do that, you transform the world. The world is no longer this horrible place of Kali Yuga, but becomes uh, a divine sport. It becomes Ganeshpuri. So let's meditate for 10 minutes. And you can tell me if that was a good experiment or not. <laughs> so, once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Let's meditate for 10 minutes. Chakunat Maharaj Ki Jai.